Hey, welcome to the street fight. Probably one of the feeds. I don't know. I was gonna put it up on Patreon just for the shit of it, I guess. But uh, maybe it'll go on the main feed. Who fucking knows? Who cares where it goes? To tell you the truth, um, I just finished recording Street Fight, and since we lit, uh oh, shit. Oh no, I'm I'm nervous. Shit, for my sorry, co-host. dude. <laughs> you better? Is that dry? Call? Yeah, I'll be good. I'm gonna like space out for a second, then I'll be good. Give me like thirty seconds. I, I'm gonna give you thirty seconds. I'll just sit here and talk. Uh, my guest right now is not a guest. He's my co-host. I'm calling him my co-host for this episode. Is Drew Spears? You probably remember him from. Uh, from the man cow episode of uh shocktober and uh you're gonna get to know him a little bit more from street fight tv because uh he's gonna be an assistant writer with us on street fight tv i know it makes us sound like a really big fucking deal but i promise it's just because we felt like two guys couldn't do the show (laughs) (laughs) hey dude what's up thanks for having me How's the coffee going? Are you're, you're, is that a is that a wet cough? Are you are you okay? Uh, it, okay, that is entire. That is one hundred percent. I took a big sip of water right before we recorded, and just it went down the wrong pipe. So I just hit it really hard, and I get this weird thing where I think like my lungs are just like a hair like underdeveloped. Where if I cough too hard, I get super lightheaded and I have to like space out for like 30 seconds. Otherwise, I'll like lose my equilibrium. I like it's been going on for like 18 years or something like that. And this year was like the first year that I went and saw a doctor about it. And they were pretty much just like beat the hell out of us. Just like try not to uh, breathe so fucking strange. Uh, So the short answer is nothing I can do about it. I'm going to cough and then like go into it feels like when you hit a whippet, I haven't been done whippets in forever, but that like kind of like real loss of space and your body control. Yeah. 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 I, I hate that. Feel. I hate whippets a lot. Like, man, that is I don't like them at all love. either. And I did them like a lot. Like, I would just like do a case of them and it was never all that fun, but you know, they were there. So, you know, everybody in New York and LA did whippets for a period of time. That is for sure. Cause it's a, I had will co-host with me like two years ago or maybe a year and a half ago. And he's doing whippets while we were recording <laughs> cause he was at Virgil's house. And I guess, uh, there were whippets there. So, uh yeah i i I mean it is i i've i've never tried it like this but i've heard that like it reacts with other drugs i only ever took it and just been like wow that everything feels weird for like 90 seconds but i get it from coughing now just because my body fucking kicks ass yeah trying other yeah yeah i mean i i just got this stuff called canna and it's okay uh, i've seen that stuff around yeah, I just bought some, like, uh, just so I could see what it is. And I took one earlier, and uh, I got a report. Not much, not much. But I only took one, and it's forty milligrams. And they say to take like a hundred to really get it going. Um, 
but I don't think I I uh, I didn't take enough. I took one. What what is it supposed to emulate? Uh, ecstasy. But it also it just says like that it's calm and stuff like that. Like it calms you. And I I don't know. I don't know how to feel calm right now anyway. So no, I'm just go on. It, it's you know. I know so many friends right now who are microdosing just huge amounts and just like talking about taking mushrooms during this quarantine. I'm like uh, a year plus straight edge. So like there's occasional thoughts about like, oh, that would be fun. But then I'm just like, nah, I would just like immediately be like, this is a bad time. I want to go outside. Like the idea of taking mushrooms during a time period where you can't go outside seems and then you know that you can't go outside side sounds fucking atrocious yeah yeah well i mean you can go i well i don't know what it is in la like so i've been doing my walks because i feel like that doesn't put anybody at risk because i'm not with anybody and i'm alone and i'm outside (laughs) so Uh, yeah i think being out i mean i'm not a fucking expert but my understanding is that like being outside alone with social distancing is more safe than obviously being inside publicly where there's a lot of people around uh i mean i've walked uh our dog quite a bit the last couple of days but like i haven't been venturing much from like uh, I don't know 30 feet from my front door I'm just kind of working under the assumption that like I've been exposed to it at some point <laughs> I'm walking I'm going to Brett's so I go mm-hmm. I go to Brett's to record and, and we're playing games and we're streaming and stuff over there because I mean if we have it we all have it you know the the kind of gr- crew that I hang with we all hung out on Friday it's like there's 10 of us and uh I mean you know if I can't have my friends I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do yeah yeah <laughs> you know? I'm mean, getting this remote setup going has been so essential because I remember last week like Wednesday when it was really everyone got uh realize what was going on at least in LA because I I host and produce a stand-up show and like that afternoon I was like emailing the next week's show and being like hey I don't know if we're gonna do a show next week it seems like this is getting pretty severe and the first three people were just like whatever fuck it like I just like I did my show last night I just rubbed elbows with everyone and then like by like 6 p.m all the emails were like on second thought, no. At that point, I'm like in the middle of a stand-up show, and I'm just so aware of like how many things I have to touch that other people have been touched. Dude, it, it, I had the same thing. I was at wrestling, so we watch AEW in a yeah. bar, and and funny enough, uh, last week was the most people we've ever had at the bar for AEW, and this is Wednesday. And uh, shit is starting to go down as we're there. It's starting to look more and more like this is a real fucking thing that we gotta we gotta deal with. And I got dizzy standing there. Like I want to listen to last week's street fight, but I think it'll give me a panic attack because I was in a panic attack the whole time. God, I, I can only imagine. I mean, yeah, the only thing like. And I think it's worse than this, but like I remember in 2016 telling people like in October, hey, I don't really want to do a show on Election Day. And everyone was just like, oh, let's do a show on Election Day. And just the tides turning and just being like, 
everyone's like fucking sobbing like no one wants yeah. to be here it's a terrible feeling uh but no speaking of wrestling and coronavirus it's been so wild watching wrestling during all this i haven't watched AEW yet i'm gonna watch it uh i think i'm gonna watch it after we finish this i'm gonna go up in my yeah. room and watch uh the AEW. i i think i've been spoiled but you know, whatever. I, I whatever. It's it's, that that show's good enough where it, you can watch it uh, spoiled and still be like surprised. But like, just like the uncanniness of. I mean, WWE is a lot worse because they're filming in a very tiny like performance studio. Uh, so if you don't know, wrestling has no audience right now. Uh, and they, like WWE would just set up empty seats. Like AEW at least like had the wrestlers around the ring like shouting shit, but. Someone like fucking suggested today. I don't know if you saw this. They were like, oh man, a WrestleMania without like audience is going to be weird. WWE should do something nice and get a bunch of make a wish kids in there so that they can watch WrestleMania live <laughs> and be the audience. It's just like, motherfucker, did you not pay any attention over the last like 12 days? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's so fucking weird. Uh, you know, you want to wrestling. I used to get so mad at people who said wrestling's art. Wrestling's like a play. And I'm more on the side of like wrestling is wrestling. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like its own thing. But when you, I had uh, last night when I was recording, I had SmackDown from last week on. And on Monday when I recorded, I had, uh, on Monday when I recorded, I had Raw on. And oh, was, you mean 316 day? The day, the international celebration day of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. And I was like watching it and it was so weird. And I was like, this is a play. Like wrestling. It is really is. I mean, especially without audience. It, it just, it, I, I, it's so funny uh, that it happened on Stone Cold Steve Austin day. Cause you know, WWE saw that like it got some traction in past years that like people were like oh it's march 16th that's 316 on twitter and posting gifts of austin and you know they must have been waiting for fucking years to have a 316 day fall on a monday and they're like hell yeah we're gonna get to do a stone cold S steve austin 316 it's like how like disney did may may the fourth be with you. it's just like it's not a real holiday. We don't have to act like it, but like they've had like a little fucking stinger at the bottom of the USA logo with 316. And just like for what? So that they can do a show in front of no one. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. It, and 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 like Stone Cold still played to the audience. And those guys, those WWE people have like they're trained in and to do the same thing over and over again so when they come out they still do their motions to the audience and stuff where it's like i mean you know you kind of got to go in the way you got you got to kind of go with it and do something different you can't just fucking <laughs> like pretend like you're doing the show you would have done when there was an audience I it's guess. like uh, the rock said this when he he was first like trying to make it as a big hollywood actor and struggling and by struggling it was just like his blockbusters weren't like huge successes and he's had a, he had a couple of bombs but he was just like oh the biggest thing i had to learn was that like my training in wrestling makes me play to the back row which you can't do with that when you're doing film or things like that i mean i've 
I've done commercial shoots and stuff like that. And I'm primarily someone who performs on the stage. And like the first note anyone ever gives me is like tamp it down. Yeah. Like, cause I, my natural energy is just like, I mean, you perform on stage. Like if someone was just like, okay, like the stillness it requires to be a film actor and like barely move one muscle. If it's like a close up, I couldn't do it in a million fucking years. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally, that, that's kind of how I am too, where it's like, uh, I won't act for the TV show, right? Like, so Brett's my muse and everything yeah. that's being written as an acting thing is all him or it's going to be a fun dynamic. I mean, I think, I think there's nice with like someone who like does the acting and someone who can play the voice of reason or just themselves. I mean, I just, there's like, people who are good at playing characters and there are people who are not, you know, um, our friends Brad and Nick, Brad Evans and Nick Sorelli, Brilliant. super I, funny comedians. I'll say this, but like, I'll say this about them. Uh, I sent Brett their uh, video from Vegas. He didn't, he didn't know who they were because he's like, like way not like like as online as me. And I was like, you met one of them actually, and said hi to them, and uh, in in um, L.A. And he was like, this is the kind of shit I want to be doing. And for yeah, me, they're brilliant for me. And but like they don't they don't really play characters. I mean, they do, but they're always just kind of themselves, you know, and yeah. like it's the joke is a little bit like, oh, it's Brad and Nick if they were uh, like rock stars or in tool. But like they're not trying to do like goofy, dumb voices. Right. Yeah. And for me, it's like I, I think like my whole thing and maybe i'm maybe i i think i don't know maybe i'm wrong about this i guess is that my whole thing is that i am already kind of a character you know what i mean <laughs> like like uh yeah. that that what i bring to the table is that i'm me and uh that that's why that that's actually why i think brett playing the characters and uh, plus, like, just look at the guy. He's so fun to write for. I've been writing yeah. for him for fucking a decade almost. And, like, he's the most fun guy in the world to write for because of the way he looks. He looks perfect. He's funny. He does the act. And it's just like, I think when people see what he can do, they're going to be fucking shocked. It's very know? exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially because he, guys like, yeah, especially because guys like me or, or, or you, like you can look at him and you can know what sorts of things he can do. You know what I mean? Oh like, yeah. He, he has, has like, definitely like if I didn't know Brad and I just saw him down the street, my mind would go to like 80 different places. That's not who Brad actually is. <laughs> yep. You know? Yeah. Uh, Hip, which uh, I mean is like a great versatility. Uh, like some of the sweetest people I know out in LA are like people who just like kind of look like douchebags and just get cast as douchebags all the time. And they're very nice dudes in real life and very smart, but like they just look like a dickhead. So like that's their wheelhouse. Yeah, I mean we're writing Facebook raps for him. We're writing. Uh, we're writing so many characters for him because like he looks like those guys. He looks like the success win guys and he, he, he looks like success win guys, but he, he pretty much looks like he could be like any of the street fight related subcultures. He could be a soft citizen. He could be like yeah. uh, 
ANCAP. He could be like a real hardcore libertarian. Like, like he's very malleable. I mean, and you could be some of those things too, but like, I think uh, you can dress him up. You can dress him down. It's, it's really nice. And to me, it feels like uh, people will just see me when I do things. You know, like whatever I do, I don't have the ability. I I, like have this really weird thing where I don't have the ability to not sort of break the break the third wall or what you you know what I'm saying or fourth wall. I don't know. Yeah, no, I get. I I don't have the ability to do it. The wall thing because it's not like you're not committing to the reality of something. It's just like you're so comfortable being yourself, and that's your primary job. Is like you spend a lot of time creating media where you are yourself and you know how to amp. I mean, we watch shock jocks all the time and we see how they amplify themselves or wrestlers who amplify themselves. And I think that's fundamentally what you do very naturally. I don't think anything you say on your shows are insincere, but as a result, like, I mean, hell, it used to be all the time. If you watch like old tonight shows or shit like that, it's always like, just like people who are on because they're like fun personalities. It'd be like, Oh, here's Charles Grodin or here's Charles Nelson Riley. Just like there's all these TV personalities that just like existed because they're like weird, funny people and they just got to be on television as themselves. Occasionally they'd be acting, but like primarily they were just like, even when they're acting, like Charo is being Charo. Yeah, that's who I am. That is, that's yeah. exactly. You're, it. you're Ohio Charo. Yeah. So, uh, I wanted to, uh, I, I think having you on is, is a really unique experience for me in, in, in like in, in this thing on, on the street fight feed, you know, we did Shocktober together, obviously, which has kind of, uh, turned into its own thing. It's <laughs> yeah. the thing is it's the biggest thing I've ever done. It is one of the most fun things I've ever done. And it's so uh, fun. It is also a thing that is like, uh, uh, you know, I don't know why I'm telling this right now, but I mean, it's, I guess it's worth saying me and Felix have been talking about doing a podcast together since 2013. And like the fact that we did it and we got one and we made one and that it was good and that people see it as special is like such a fucking honor to me. (laughs) You know what I mean? We, the, the reaction to it, and getting to do it was so cool. Like, I think there's been a shift in my mindset over the last three years of like what I want to have a career in and how I want to achieve it. But like the things I thought I used to want and be like, oh, this is my marker of success. And like, this is what I want to like, oh, people fucking love this man. This thing where I just like pulled YouTube clips for like a week and just found weird lies. And people were, were like, that's my favorite thing I've listened to in a month. I was like, oh, that's like like a real like important thing to me as a comedian was getting to like make something that so many people loved and i never like 10 years ago would have thought that it would have come from like a uh spin-off patreon podcast you know <laughs> it is weird it's weird that thing is not available well it is brett said that thing sells in the store he we sell like a few of them every week that makes sense we yeah. still sell them 
like to this day. And uh, we're, we're, you know, we're obviously going to put Shocktober 2 there too. And uh, at some point, I don't know what we're calling them. We were going to call them Shocktober Shorts, but me and Felix can't do a short show about shock jocks. So uh, I was going to call them non-canon uh, uh, or something, but the sh- the, the, there's going to be one coming out on the Patreon feed in April. You and- have a like a true distaste for short podcasts. I do. You you said this like in a, in a DM. You were like, I think you said that you don't like podcasts that are shorter than two hours. No, the shorter than an hour, fifteen hour, an hour. Okay. I mean, an hour is fine. An hour almost feels like I. If you look at Street Fight times, uh, you will see that most of them uh, hit that. Most of them hit an hour 15. I like an hour 15. That number feels good. And even on stage, I like an hour 15. Like, I like that amount of time. Getting to settle in both as, like, a uh, listener and a performer is such a nice feeling because, like, so much of comedy and performance is, like, get your five-minute stand-up act ready. Get your character real ready where it's, like, do a bunch of like dumb characters that aren't super funny other than like the premise because you only do them for 20 seconds or like TikTok. I mean, TikToks can be funny, but it's, it's usually, it's the same way that a lot of street fight culture stuff is where like, it's like divorced dads who are like throwing their uh, ring away to a TikTok song. But it's just like now it's, it's weird. Like culture went from like long form, slow audio to like t- movies and TV to short form content and now has arrived once again at long like not slow content but it's just like things that can be with you all day because everyone works from home or everyone works in an isolated environment and it's just like oh a podcast you listen to is so much more important than like whatever you watch on fucking TV. That's 22 minutes. Yeah. When somebody, uh, I think when somebody like when I look through podcasts on the app and, and I choose what I'm going to listen to, I will always pick the longer one. Like I want a long one. I want, yeah. I, I, I think, you know, I also think that like some of what drew people to a lot of the shock jocks was that they were on for so long every day. And I don't understand that the, the people that don't want longer shows that don't, oh, it's two hours, three hours. I can't listen to that. And it's like, well, what, what are like, what are you in a hurry to do? What is this? <laughs> like, it's something you're supposed to be doing in the background of whatever else you're doing. At least that's what it is for me, you know? And yeah. I came up listening to three, four, five hour shows. So it's yeah. not like a thing. It's not like that weird to me. Now I'm very conscious about keeping the call in show at three hours. Cause I know that people don't like three hour, four hour shows. And I'm conscious about keeping street fight under two hours. But I think October and the other miniseries too, like any of the miniseries, people are paying for that. They want, they obviously want more content. And, uh, you know, I got yelled at for not including a lot of stuff in Shocktober. Those shows were all over two hours long. And then the last, oh, yeah, was immediately it was like, why don't you have this? I mean, there's like three or four shock jocks that, like, I, I think are relatively unturned over. Uh, but, you know, there's just so much of it. Yeah, I'm my next series that comes out after March Madness. Uh, 
is uh, Holy Boys, and it's me and Tom Sexton talking about uh, uh, mega preachers and uh with guests you know i obviously but mm-hmm. we're actually doing this really weird cool concept for a show where we have brett and terrence as the guests for the episode because brett and terrence are the hosts of our shows you know what i mean <laughs> like me and tom yeah. are the fucking other guy that just kind of you know pitches stuff in we don't do the announcing we don't say hey you're listening to and, and we don't do any of that stuff so we think it's a pretty funny novel idea to have brett and terrence on as guests on my tom show <laughs> is uh are any of y'all from like a religious background uh, Tom's mom is an accountant for was an accountant for a few of the pastors. Uh, I think Terrence might have some in his past. Brett does not, and I am like, I explained this on the show, but like I've never been religious. Like I've never, it's never been a thing that grabbed me. And part of the reason I'm doing this series is I want to try to understand it. You know, obviously I'm mm-hmm. not understanding what real religion is obvious yeah i'm looking at grifters but like i do want to understand why people fill an arena to see joel osteen every week like i want to understand that uh growing up in north texas and my parents were my parents grew up uh my mom grew up in hillsborough ohio and my dad grew up uh in finley so that's where like my family roots were but they wound up in texas and like how big of a both a social contact point like the church was in Texas and how much like my parents like just didn't care for it. Like my parents were never like, we don't believe in God. I think if you ask them both point blank, they would say yes. My but dad's like, the same. Yeah. They, they, there's never any real emphasis on uh, religion. And my parents were mildly like they thought that, you know, Texan Christian like social scene stuff was snooty people who wanted to scold others and then just be exclusive. Uh, so it was just like never anything that like was the part of my life other than just seeing it on the periphery. Now, you know, what's interesting. We're talking about shock uh, jocks and uh, religion. There's a confluence of two. Have you listened to any of the Catholic channel on Sirius XM. I haven't. No, I should give that oh, a listen. Oh, dude, it's 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 a tw- it's totally like a different co- it's a little bit like Man Cow, but like not like a crass guy who's talking. It's it's like like if you made a version of a shock jock show but that like a 4-year-old could listen to. It's 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 ran by the Roman Catholic Church of New York. For some reason, they need a like radio station on satellite radio, and most of its schedules is like Catholic priests hosting call-in morning zoo shows. Okay, and, but like all all their like big like so they try to do like radio stunts and everything like that. But it, it's stuff like now, Chris and I we're gonna grow out our mustaches for November, but uh, uh Ryan. He's not wanting to grow out the mustache for Movember. Come on, like so it's just like them like gently razzing one guy for not. And then you know people would call in and be like, "Oh, you know, I'm dating a girl and she says she's religious, but she's not like doesn't feel like it." You know, but it's it's that thing of with like Catholic like 
uh, Christian cinema, same, where it's just like, I think they just want to prove that they can do the dominating pop culture, whether that's radio, TV, film, and be like, look, we can do morning zoos too, even though I'm a Catholic priest. Like, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I you should really like get a free to, trial and like listen to that I, shit. I have Sirius. I, I now have to have Sirius. So <laughs> I have it already. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, speaking of Stern, uh, Sirius and Stern and stuff like that, I, I was watching uh, the Concert for America. I think I mentioned this in a group chat. Uh, concert for New York right after 9 11 today because I was kind of, I've been pit, like thinking about like a idea I have that would kind of revolve around like 9-11 cultural moments but like when uh howard stern comes out and it's like right after maybe george pataki or something like that and he's speaking to all these six thousand firefighters he has his like ass like out this is like a 9-11 memorial where like rudy giuliani like 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 consoles a little boy who's like every firefighter who's on stage had someone who died on 9-11 and they would be hanging out with like Michael J. Fox. But then like Stern comes out and he's just like, I never left New York City when 9-11 happened. I'm not like Rosie O'Donnell. I'm not like, yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah. like the guy loves his media feuds that much where he had to like get in the Rosie O'Donnell dig at a 9-11 benefit concerts. He was like, I'm not afraid of New York like those clucking hens on The View. <laughs> he really, you guys were right. He's Trump. He's 100% Trump. <laughs> like, he is. He is. He, he is the same fucking guy. There's somebody else recently that I found to be Mike Francesa is Trump. <laughs> He's also got I, I, all the same things. Yeah, I wish I wish I was New York kind of more so I can know more about like the New York uh, radio guy, because like California, like there's something really fun about like brassy New Yorkers. And I think that really works for radio in a way where like the, you know, the idea of like California bro or hippie, like whatever, or like even like gross asshole slick guy just doesn't play like in an archetypal. I mean, I will say this, dude. Jim Rome and Colin Cowherd are both L.A. guys or, or California guys, and they are pretty uh, – they're very popular. Uh, I know people don't think about them very much, but they're also, like, very weird. They, they're very weird, and they have, like, a strange – there's a thing about them that's very – I don't know. Unsettling, I would say. Yes. You know? They're very popular and people like them, but I, I don't think they're beloved in the way that those New York personalities are. And that's because like their personalities just aren't as fun. Like, even if you fucking hate Mike Francesa or you think he has bad takes or is like a weirdo, his personality like Colin Cowherd's uh personality is just like of a bossy asshole yeah he could be he could be your manager at work same with like skip bayless or jim rome i mean could rome, be like rome really has created a culture around his thing like it, it's weird i don't like the guy i i i, I i'm not gonna say where i ranked him because we did rank them in the wrap-up show but uh i i find him to be I, 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 he is somebody to look up to if you're a podcaster, 
because he created an entire culture around his show and he involved the fans. And now I hate that culture. I hate everything about it, but they all talk like him, you know? (laughs) So it's kind of one of those things where I'm like, Jim Rome, he has that thing, right? Like he has the, uh, he has the same thing as the New York guys. Colin Cowherd, he's a guy that I don't think a lot of people listen to, but, but like Lycus and Jim Rome are LA based guys that I think they are interesting. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird thinking of Lycus as an LA guy. Cause I feel like the town doesn't claim him or anything like that. Like the big people, like you see a lot on LA is like, well, I mean, just today, big news, uh, for Kevin and the bean, uh, got fired over the weekend. What they and do? then things like, uh, you know, it's the same story as every radio thing. You know, I think th- a lot of places are using coronavirus as a place as a reason to cut losses. But, you know, he, he went off on a rant the final day. Uh Bean had already moved from LA to London. I mean, it's amazing how often, like when you listen to Shocktober, this story stays the same. Yeah. Like, it's just like the way people quit, uh, radio stations, the way, like, creative partnerships dissolve uh it's always it's the same story over again and again and yet i mean i personally cannot get enough of it yeah it's 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 very strange you know uh i'm looking at popular radio personalities from uh los angeles and and you got fred imus um you don't know him (laughs) don imus's brother (laughs) Oh no! Oh man, being like fucking like Don Imus's like uh like Chris Cuomo or yeah. like it's like oh man like the sec- like Casey Affleck but of like just like uh, I'm Don I'm Don Imus's brother like I I just like hope he also has a dumb fucking hat and a fake charity uh and uh, he does he actually crack- does have a charity I do know that. I got another one here too, and and this guy's legendary, and this guy's probably gonna get a Shocktober, actually. But Phil Hendry is uh, Phil Hendry is fascinating. I was never into him, but Me like I thought he stunk. But yeah, like that whole thing where like people are like, oh, he just pranks himself, and then callers call in. I don't know. I never found it appealing, and by the time I was aware of him, everyone was like, now be aware after. October 2001, he has an 11-year period where all he talks about is how good George Bush is. And it's just like, well, I'm not going to fucking go back to the archive just so I can get to the point where this person's brain got broken. I mean, it is interesting, though, that he is, like, friends uh, with Howard. Like, Howard Stern admires Phil Hendry. Oh, uh, so many people in comedy Bubba say that like Sponge he's the funniest him. guy in the world. Yeah, like all those guys do. Well, something I thought me and you could do. Uh, yeah, because you're a Hollywood. You're in Hollywood. You do comedy and stuff like that. And there's something I know about you. Uh, yeah, I, I go knew, for it. I knew your brother first, and uh, he told me about this. And we have talked about this in a group chat that we're in together. Um, Kevin Smith. Uh, uh, yeah hell yeah <laughs> i i i want to i haven't listened to any of these so we're going in blind 
But uh, I thought we'd listen to some Kevin Smith stuff. And uh, oh man, it's been like a decade it. since I've caught up with Kevin Smith. So I'm so excited, dude. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen his new movie. I haven't heard any have. of his like. Yeah. Okay. I, I want to hear all about it in a sec. But like, <laughs> give me these clips. I heard. I I saw Jay and Silent Bob reboot. That's the one I saw. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen all of the Viewisk universe. I've yeah, I haven't seen his other weird stuff, but like no, I've seen all no. the Viewisk universe. Have you seen Reboot? I have not seen. That's that's the thing. I haven't seen Reboot yet. You need to see it because I, you have to be as psycho as me when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, like, I don't know. I finished, I, it must have been like it was. It was on Phantom Film, so it was only in theater for one day. Right. Uh, but when I do like uh, when 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 uh, the the same psycho thing that made me finish Sons of Anarchy is what made me watch me and my wife pay money on the TV to watch Jay and Silent Bob reboot. We hell yeah, okay. I'll, I'm gonna catch it next time. Yeah. Uh, if you don't have it, I will. Uh, I want to send you a Kevin Smith movie opening. That's insane. But uh, yeah, send hit me it. with your clips. Well, I'm going through. I, I looked him up, and uh, I I see one that I want to do first because it's kind of a leftist thing, right? Uh, when okay. Sank, you know who Sank is? C E N K. Uh, uh, from the Young, the Young Turks. Tur- yes. <laughs> yeah, I stop. Get out of here, dude. Well, he yelled uh, at Kevin we- Smith, so I'd like oh, to no. see why he did that. Oh boy. Does that sound of interest to you, Drew? Yes, very much so. Let's do this thing. Cue it up. Let's cue it up. Let's get it going. The guy who comes and knocks on the door and won't leave. Like, so in a sense, <laughs> almost the opposite of you. You're like, you're, fr- you're like a little hesitant to reach out to Ben Affleck, etc. Yes. I'd have been like, Ben, 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 Ben. <laughs> <laughs> right? And so I came and did that to you. And I was like, Kevin, 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 Kevin. And I don't think you were there because uh, I never actually you knocked you on his person. door in his office. In I didn't his, go to his uh, house. You go up a staircase. Right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I remember doors. that. Yeah. Now. yeah. yeah. We were right and, across from the language school. Yeah. And somehow I got through to somebody who gave me your number and you agreed to come on the show. And back then it was called the Young Turk. Okay, so oh, years ago. Okay, you were gonna, you but you were. What? What did he bleep out? I don't know. <laughs> did, did someone say a slur? He said how many years it's been. But this Sank guy, I haven't watched a lot of his stuff. Ugh. Yeah, Young Turk is exi- I know it's like out there, and I know it's like you know nominally leftist, like entertainment but it feels like in a world totally divorced from like everyone who i follow in leftist circles and all this like anti-union shit uh that's why i love how quickly it name dropped ben affleck uh <laughs> it's like you, you gotta you gotta work in your ben affleck uh name drops yeah well they, yeah and 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 bet i mean Kevin Smith is lucky as hell that he got a hold of Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. I think. I yeah. Think that oh, is like entirely. A big one. Yeah, and uh, oh. he, he did have Matt Damon in the new one in the new movie playing. He he didn't he didn't have Ben Affleck or did he have both? I'm trying to remember if Ben Affleck was in it. Matt Damon was playing Loki 
from uh, Dogma, which to me, dog shit movie. I mean, yeah, no, it's such a like, uh, I mean, it's even hack to say that at this point, but it's like a film school idea of like, and it's religion, but you know, she has an abortion and, uh, <laughs> you know, Chris Rock swears in it. And we have George Carlin as a religious figure. Uh, yeah, God, it's so insane how much like I had a Jane Silent Bob Strike Back poster on my wall and just like that was like my identity for two or three years, like just as like a 12 to 14 year old. I mean, honestly, that's the perfect time to be like into yeah. Kevin Smith movies. Well, I Do was, you remember I was 16, 17. I think when by the time Dogma came out. I got to look up Dogma's date because I, I, I'll i tell you how much of a fan of Kevin Smith I was at this time. When Dogma came out, I hated it, but I told everybody it was one of the best movies I'd ever seen. You ever do that, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I uh, Do you remember the movie Lions for Lambs? Uh, I do remember it coming out. Yes, I do. Okay, I so do it's remember. an Iraq War movie. Robert Redford uh, directed it. It stars Tom Cruise, uh, and like it's like a real serious, like one of those like immediate after Iraq War rush to make a like a liberally movie that everyone can clap. And there was a free screening with uh, Michael Pena. Uh, when I was in college that I went to and he was the only, so we didn't get Meryl Streep. We didn't get Robert Redford. We didn't get Tom Cruise. We got Michael Pena who kicks ass and is great. But I just remembering <laughs> this is so humiliating years after the fact I stood up after the movie. And I said, this is such an important movie. How can we get involved? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> It's like a less. It's like such a weird artifact. But imagine, it's I undoubtedly just did it for clout. I, mean, I, I wasn't moved by the film. I wanted to just be heard by a famous person, and I just like saying, imagine being eighteen years old, standing up and saying, "This is an important film. How can I get involved to a random fucking actor?" Right. Yeah, and it's so fun. And it's wing how can I get it? Like you were doing politics, right? You were like trying yeah. to get involved. You were saying, How can I get involved? Like how could you get involved? Is the real I can question tell with the promotion? About lions for lambs, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Uh God. It, you know, I I haven't met I never like sort of met any famous people until I started to do my thing do this thing you know I, I got to meet Patton and stuff like that and I have been surprisingly uh cool with all of them like I I, I uh I'm, they might not like me I don't know but like I think I am so happy that I don't have any odd moments with with famous people because like when I meet them now I mean, like, this is going to sound so stupid, but when I met Patton Oswalt, I felt like I was meeting, like, a peer, even though he's, like, way outside. He's, like, just, I am but an ant. 
compared sure. to him. But when I met him, like I felt like I understand him in a way that I probably wouldn't have understanded him back in 2006 or something. And and the funniest thing is, um, I went and saw Bill Burr uh, do stand up. And I, 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 look. But you can think of what you want about Bill Burr. I think he's like one of the funniest guys that's ever lived. Yeah, I mean the stuff that he does that hits like is really good, and yeah. I think his politics can't really be boiled down to the more reactionary stuff that like gets floated out by him. Yeah, so I uh, I I saw him live, and he he walked out of the Funny Bone and out into the mall that the Funny Bone's in, and he was like sort of standing in the mall. Uh, trying to be a good this is what i realize now is that like he got off stage and he went out and 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 stood out where people could find him so that if somebody wanted to talk to him they would have the opportunity to do that because that's a very cool thing to do for the people that come and see your show you know what mm -hmm. i mean like a lot yeah. of people do that at the level he was at at that time, I don't think he would do it now, but you know, at the time he was doing funny bone comedy clubs. And, uh, I, I do that. I, 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 I automatically walk off stage and then walk out and, and talk to everybody that wants to talk to me. I try to meet everybody. Yeah. Or it's whatever. the right thing to do. If you're of like the right, like size in your career. Yeah. So even though like I have to fight every like I mean I I do it after shows and stuff like that, and like just because like at that point it's like a lot of the people like are just like you know excited to say good job and stuff like that. Yep. And like my fucking little editor brain is just like just wants to be like you don't know that, that was a good job I did a bad job but it's just like people like people want affirmation that like they experienced something nice so you can't be like a dour prick after yeah like a show because if you're just like that sucked ass everyone will go home thinking like did i go to a show that sucked ass yeah huh well and i also like hearing what people liked about the show and stuff i feel like you know stand-up comedians that are are at that level that that fucking uh bill burr the the louis ck still that at like that level the only thing they have to go on is the crowd response to the jokes from the stage and like i feel like a problem with stand-up even a lot of times is that like they don't take advice from anybody that's not a comic where for yeah. me like if i go out and have a one-on-one -on -one or one-on-five or whatever however many people i'm talking to out after a show i'm learning what they like about what i do you know, and, and when I can learn what the people that are listening like about what I do, I can use that to make better stuff for them. You know, yeah. <laughs> and that, that's well, kind of I mean, why the I do culture it. Culture around stand up. And I, I've had a weird journey where I, I started doing stand up at 18 and did it till I was like 22. And then I took a long break and I've only been doing it again for a little while. But like, I mean, one of these environments, I'll slowly get back to it, is like the culture around it amongst comics where it's just like, when you're a stand up, you're a stand up. And like, only you can know, like, civilians calling, like, it's just like, Fucking that stuff is dying down because I think a lot of the biggest people who like kind of like peddled that culture have been outed as either creeps or frauds yeah. or just like shitheads. 
So I think people are like being a little bit less like being a stand up's interesting because uh, you make people laugh, but you feel sad sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and like nowadays, it's just like, oh no, you can like headline a comedy club if you're like one of the other stars of Pawned Stars. So yeah. it's just like it's no, there's nothing like fucking important about it. There's nothing inherently noble or true. Like it, it, that whole like comedians is the philosopher thing we've seen what happened with that and it's like really reactionary like culture around like certain sex like i mean anthony kumia and yeah. shit like that uh do you have any more kevin smith stuff i do i do I, what i want to say is so bill burr's standing out there so people can talk to him right mm-hmm. and i walk up to him and i am probably two feet away from him and I get so scared, I turn around and walk out of the mall. <laughs> like, oh, dude. I couldn't ah. do it. I was so fucking scared. It was so weird. Let's let's hear where this goes with Sank and uh, Kevin yeah. Smith. We're doing it in Virginia. Yeah, I was doing it in Arlington, Virginia, but you were going to call in. Okay, so now you're not going to come all the way down to this motherfucker has Kevin Smith on his show, and he won't shut the fuck up. It's the yeah. weirdest thing in the world to me. Really, but you were going to do me a solid. You were to call. Yeah, like just shut up. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. And so, and then uh, come seven o'clock when we do the show live, right? Uh oh. And I called you. You didn't answer. Now wait for the whole story. (laughs) Okay. Sank. So I called you. You ruined my idea, Sank. Let's do the. Let's do a classic. Let's do some classic fucking. Uh, Kevin Smith, I there is, we'll, we'll have a good long one to to do and and comment on. But uh, something I'm endlessly fascinated with with Kevin Smith is his relationship with Bruce Willis. And uh, oh yeah, I th- that was like just like right towards the end of like when I really was following Kevin Smith hardcore. Well, I saw Cop Out, and I actually recently watched Cop Out because. Uh, uh, I did a podcast called "What Let We Need to Talk About Kevin," and it's about Kevin Smith. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it was just it, 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 that movie sucks. Like that movie sucks in every possible way, Drew. And Kevin Smith blames it solely on, oh, maybe not solely, because like I mean, Smith for I mean, one of his biggest tactics in getting people to like him. And I think it is sincere is being self-effacing about his like shortcomings as a director. But like he really like blames that on Smith, right? Uh, or Bruce Willis, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's let let's hear let's hear him in his own words. We we got a we got a piece. We can stop it as much as we want. He's like, this is a this with the world's ending as far as we know, man. He's like, Thomas Gabriel has got us up on the ropes and we're going into the third act and it makes no sense. We just stop and start telling jokes about MySpace and goth chicks and he's gone. It's just corny, man. It's like, this is Die Hard. We got to keep it Die Hard. Die Hard's not funny. And I'm like, Die Hard was really funny. <laughs> but I don't want to say that because he's on a roll. Um, <laughs> so he has a point. I think Bruce Willis has a point, but, but what is what do you think he watched a single Kevin Smith movie before Cop Out? Almost certainly not. I think people. Well, I mean, that was like his first movie that he himself didn't like develop. It was right. like a movie that he just kind of did for hire. So I think they were probably in a situation where whatever 
like comedy director they wanted wasn't available and then they were like oh it would be a nice you know smith is now for hire and that lends a certain credence and gets a certain audience through the door and i think everyone was just like yeah and you know bruce willis probably was told like this guy loves you because like up until this point like kevin smith like fucking fanned out about like bruce willis all the times in his movies or like stage shows yeah let's 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 hear him a little more He's like, it's just, we got to keep it tough, man. Like, I don't want to become jokey and shit like that. And it's just, we're sitting here making a lot of jokes when we should be moving the plot forward and trying to figure out who the fuck Thomas Gabriel is because we've never had that moment. He's like, here's the problem, Kev. We've been shooting this movie for three months. Every time we have a problem on the movie, every time we hit a plot hole, something that doesn't make sense, all we've been saying is, you know what, we'll put it in the warlock scene because this is our big expositional scene where we can talk about shit and reveal the villain's motives and shit like that and handle a bunch of things that we haven't handled because we've been blowing shit up and whatnot so we've been doing this for three months talking about we'll just dump in the warlock scene we get here on the day of the warlock scene and nobody has written any of these things into the movie and i give a shit because i'm the producer of die hard and by the way i'm the only person who's been involved in all four die hard so i'm trying to be the gatekeeper of the mythology of die hard and i think it's very important and he's just talking 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 <laughs> so <laughs> there is that thing about action stars right where where mm-hmm. they are very concerned with how they look if, if yeah. that makes sense and uh it's a wrestling thing too you know uh people don't want to i mean most people don't want to be portrayed like you know it's that old thing where people say about wrestling is like the, the secret is that wins and loss bosses do matter yep. and i think you know people are like you know back in the 90s everyone would take huge amounts of money to do these like european or japanese commercials where they would do silly things and you know they would take you know two million dollars because they thought for the internet no one in america would ever see me <laughs> you know sing a silly song while drinking like a uh, whiskey and then their stock wouldn't be devalued. But nowadays like, it just doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Here, here, here's, here's a little more. So he's so, uh, he's so concerned. There are a lot of towels on stage too. I don't know if why. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> and the is whole there time a set? Thinking, is, there, like, quickly, is there a set? Um, like, you know, a little design for the stage. There's a stool with a bunch of towels on it and there's a bottled water on the floor. And he, there is a picture of what I assume to be him as a baby. And, uh, he is wearing the jorts and the silent Bob thing and the white shirt, which I respect. Here's what I respect about Kevin Smith. And this is the same with Vince Gilligan, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if I created something that people liked, I would keep giving it to them. I wouldn't do that thing where you're like, I'm not going to do this anymore. You know, like, I think the coolest thing in the world is that Kevin Smith built a, a fucking universe if that makes yeah. sense you know and he's like he's like having these characters be like i mean i read the plot of like kurt lurks three it's like they're now 50 and they're having like heart failure and shit like that and it's like it's just like weird because it's just like american culture doesn't have like it's like almost like that seven up series in britain but like of like slacker i'm not saying it's inherently good but it's like oh it's tracing these men from their early 20s to now their 50s it's like boyhood before boyhood 
Yeah. And people liked it. People, people, people like that universe. They like it when he makes movies in that universe and they don't like it when he doesn't. No, no, mm-hmm. nobody's fucking excited about Zach and Mary make a porno. Nobody. Oh man. The story behind that, I find very sad. What is um, it? I mean, it's just essentially so like Kevin Smith, you know, was looking for stuff to do and like Seth Rogen was blowing up and like they met and uh, Seth Rogen released Kevin Smith and Kevin Smith was like, oh, this guy's really funny. And he's like Kevin Smith viewed like uh, Seth Rogen as like the guy that kind of broke the formula to like make the Kevin Smith sense of humor mainstream. So he started developing this movie for him. And thought it was going to be like, oh, this mainstream hit. And it was like, just like part of that wave of oversaturation with the Apatow universe. And it just bombed. And Kevin Smith, like, apparently before that movie, he wasn't a big pothead. Like, he smoked occasionally. But he blames that movie for becoming a pothead. Oh, yeah. Hanging out with Rogan. Yeah. My love of it. Like, it's wild. Yeah. Yeah, well, it is. It is strange. Here's a little. Uh, it, you know what? You know what I'm. Well, let's hear more about Bruce Willis. Actually, I do like this. And Addison, okay. man, like that's. <laughs> Motherfuck, John McLean. David Addison is trying to explain the process of filmmaking to me, and I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> he can say anything he wants, man. Like this is fantastic. Bruce Willis is talking to me. <laughs> And it's kind of processing. I'm hearing what he's saying and all the plot points that they haven't touched on and how they have to really set up what a badass fucking Thomas Gabriel is in the movie and his history, which they haven't touched on. This discussion goes on for 45 minutes. A blocking rehearsal that should have been 10 minutes. We're now at fucking minute 50, 55 or something like that. So finally I step up and I'm like, look, If you guys give me 20 minutes and a laptop, I will figure out all the fucking problems that we need to figure out. Like, I understand what we need to say about 20 minutes and a laptop to to fix this movie. (laughs) Oh, my God. I've been sitting on a Kevin Smith story for the last 20 minutes that I I need to tell you. I can't believe it. I didn't immediately come to mind. Let's do Um, that. And then I'll find I'll find a fun one where he's. An idiot. I got to show you the opening of Yoga Hosiers too, if you haven't seen it. I'll see if I can find it on. Is it on oh, YouTube? I, it is, and I can send it to you uh, via Twitter. So I'll just uh, put it in your DMs. But I host a, uh, or I co-host a comedy show where we try to like get people to share like Hollywood dirt, and then we like build the show around that, and we interview who was the assistant editor of Tusk and we asked him what he did on the movie and he was like well I essentially edited it because like Kevin Smith was just stoned all the time but on top of that he said that um, and this is all a bunch of allegedly's this is just what someone said on a show it could be fake but he was like Kevin Smith had me set up like a editing suite in his bathroom so he could edit while taking a shit <laughs> That's so fucking disgusting. <laughs> it's got to be true, though. I mean, yeah, it's just yeah. like I refuse to think that it's not. I mean, it, it feels. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it feels like it has to be true. Let's look. Uh, let's. Uh, what is yoga hosers anyway? 
So he started making horror movies, and like he made that Red State movie where it's similar to Dogma, where I mean, except it's a horror, where like, this is really progressive about like the church, um, and some people liked it, so it gave him somewhat of a second like life as a horror director. So he made Tusk about. Um, a podcast he's now making movies about podcasters um right, about a podcaster right. who gets like kidnapped and does has body torture done to him and then yoga hosers is the follow he was gonna do a great north canadian horror trilogy he only got to make two of them so yoga hosers is the second one it stars his daughters and uh johnny depp's daughter and this is the opening and just like uh, enjoy enjoy it his daughter and Johnny Depp's daughter. This is yes, uh, okay. Right. Here we go. Not. Oh no! Not. No. No. <laughs> you gotta. It's gone. It's it's like a challenge. It's like hot chip. You gotta go through it. I stole your socks. Yo, man, what's the matter with you? Sorry, I'll get it next time, I promise. This was like one of my favorite songs for a period of time. The, the I didn't even know the song. It's what anthrax. is the song? It is, uh, I'm the man. It's called I'm okay. the man. I'm so bad. I should be detention. I'm the man. It's, they're making fun of rap rock. Okay, uh, so that goes on for like 90 seconds to two minutes. I've never seen any of the rest of the they movie. They do the whole song? They do most of the song. Jesus and Christ. I don't think Kevin's... I mean, I think that this is a pretty lazy way to look at movies where you're just like kind of looking through them from like the hindsight of like 2020 uh, where you can be like, well, this was problematic and, and after the fact. But it is kind of interesting just like how women are portrayed in Kevin Smith movies because like <laughs> in the first like four, it's always just like she's the girlfriend. She'll wear a fucking hockey jersey after you guys have sex. And this girl, she's not very cool, but she's got to learn to be cool. Like, um, he has all these really great actresses who are, I mean, maybe you can say Joy Lauren Adams had like meaty thing for like chasing Amy, but also they were dating at the time. So it's funny he arrived at this point where like then his daughter and Johnny Depp's daughter are the leads of his movies when it used to just be like, oh, the ladies got to also talk about the comic books. Yeah, I've been wondering, though, like, why he hasn't been given anything. Like, I... I <sighs> Cop Out stunk, right? Yeah. But, like, it does seem like... Why... It does seem like DC or Marvel could give him, like, a fifth-tier character and let him make a movie. Now... Probably it's because he sucks, but I, I just wonder, like, why? <laughs> I know he's done. I know he's done DC television. Here's my theory. It's two parts. Um, the first one is 
I think they like to get like people a little cooler than I mean what Marvel does and DC does is they take like kind of cool directors and then they like put them through like all their bullshit where like then all their movies just look the fucking same and like there was that thing that like Ryan Coogler for Black Panther didn't even get to direct the fight scenes so there's that where like maybe that doesn't appeal to Kevin Smith but I also think like Kevin Smith's relationship with like comic books which used to be kind of quirky and like oh you know this is a Gen Xer who's like talking about nerd stuff and pop culture that we've never really seen before and now just like that's all pop culture is is just like commenting on nerd stuff from the past like being like oh the conversation in clerks about like the death star guys it's just like everything's that now and even the marvel movies themselves are no like it's like you don't need to comment it in other movies because the movies themselves are about like well, what if, like, uh, this uh, Guardians of the Galaxy was kind of like The Office, where it just has become the text where everything used to just be metacriticism, I guess. I get, yeah, that does make sense. It's like, basically, they've taken all the good stuff about, or all the stuff that was interesting about Kevin Smith, and all of culture is that now. Yeah. Precisely. <laughs> it is every, I mean, that's just what everything is now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Depressing, right? It, it is. I mean, it's like they won. Like, it's like the Kevin's, like the Kevin Smiths of the world won't ever become Kevin Smiths anymore because everything will have already just been catered to them. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the hope is that, like, I think there's money out there for interesting creative funny people to make new comedy you know because like that's an inter it, it is they don't make a lot of comedies anymore no they don't it, it's always has to be genre mashups uh because they need things that play well internationally even though like big adult comedies always do deep like really well at the box office they're cheap to, to make but the thing is is they're not blockbusters on the scale of what these big corporations like disney want to see you know people love the movie hustlers or game night or things like that and those were successes big success big successes but like it's just like the margins just aren't juicy enough to like spin the energy i guess which sucks well they do the thing where it's like uh um they they like you'll hear a lot of comics and you'll hear a lot of writers the the anti-pc people and shit like that say that like uh uh you can't make comedy anymore you just can't do it and it's like i think that there are a lot of minds out there there are a lot of people that could if they could get the funding to make it mm -hmm. you know i i think i well I can't make a movie. Obviously, I've never written a movie, and I don't know how. Uh, but like, I could say that I think I could do something better than Saturday Night Live. <laughs> sure. Like, no, I mean, but it's like that. That like kind of like, and the other thing that why you know, uh, comedy films always take a while to get replenished is because so many people who get their foot in the door with the comedy movies then get like a little brain itch where they're like, I really want to do the prestigious thing, which is drama. Like yeah. everyone get like eventually pivots to that. And 
it always i mean it stinks for comedies because then all these like really good comedy directors aren't interested in doing it anymore and then like um i don't want to say all but many to most of those dramas are pretty fucking stinky like oh here here we go here we go kevin smith ranks his movies Okay. It, it says Kevin Smith stoner ranks his movies with Danks. I'm glad they clarified that he was a stoner. I, I wouldn't have known. It's not like he brings it up. You know what, though? I'll, I'll explain that. He's a nerd, right? Like, he's, yes. a, he's a nerd guy. He didn't do it in school and very clearly thought the guys that did were cool, right? Mm-hmm. Like, do you, I think he wrote, like, Jay... Jay I think Jay is what he thought was cool. You know what yes. I mean? Like if he had been able to be Jay in school, he would have been like the most popular kid in school is what. I yeah. I mean, he, he internalized it. To, I mean, he talks about this in his early like evening of DVDs where he was like, I was at a high times like photo shoot. And this was like after dogma where he was like, Oh, um, I've actually only smoked weed five times in my life which is insane for the movies that he makes like it's such a weird thing to think about it like if you never smoked weed but or like never was really into weed and you just wrote about it all the time like yeah yeah i mean it's a weird thing to do it is weird he's a guy i think he always wanted to like weed and then he finally like mm-hmm. did it and it clicked and he was like oh now this is all i like and and he <laughs> says it all the time because he wants to be smart you know yeah. or cool cool here here we go best kevin smith movie to watch while you're stoned and i am the fucking guy to ask because i am the world's biggest kevin smith fan happen to be kevin smith as well it's important to love yourself and what you do and stuff so before you can expect anybody else to like your bullshit you gotta like it first i love kevin smith movies so i am the that's a weird uh, that to me shows a a lack of self-awareness in my opinion well I, I think he is trying to be like funny and cute, but it really clarified something to me. I think he got successful and then got successful like speaking and doing all these engagements. But like, I feel like he's really uncomfortable to actually just say what he thinks behind. I mean, not that I think that it's like a persona as though it's completely fake. I think there's in like, I think he probably has these tendencies to be like self-effacing, but it's just like, you're not being a real person. You're not being a fucking real person, like, right now. Like, I think the guy can't be, because he always just, like, you know, I was talking with Ben, and he's just like, hey, this cat, if he came onto my show, you know, it would be really cool, but it's like, it's Ben Affleck, and it's just, like, always this, like, same rhythm and same pitter-patter, and it's just like, tell me what you honestly fucking think, dude. Do it without being, like, five like degrees of distance away or like just being like this like weird stoner like i never talked like that when i was stoned like no no one does like what the fuck is that but once you also once you get stoned a a certain amount you know once once you become like a stoner i mean you don't even act weird when you're high i'm high as fuck right now yeah like perfectly i I didn't even i mean other than watching you like take a drag of a vape i wouldn't know like well i'm also doing tincture too so like oh interesting 
just all kinds of shit right now. <laughs> I'm that going real. crazy. Hell yeah. All right. Uh, but it is just like, yeah, when you when he got allowed to like just like podcast all the time and just completely like be beloved for just like performing as himself. See, I think we were talking about the beginning about how much we like being ourselves as a comedic persona. This is what we have to be aware of. This is the bad version of <laughs> You're it. Totally like, this is like, right. <laughs> this is like the ghost of Christmas, like future, even though it's like, we would both kill for the man's like career. But this is where like that sort of like, I can just show up and kind of do my thing. And like, say like, I told Bruce Willis to fucking smoke a doobie. Uh, <laughs> You're right. You're right. I'm glad I act normal when I'm not performing. That is. Yeah. Honest. I mean, I think one of the the best things about street fight is how just like real conversational it is. And like when it comes to the mean show, like we were talking, it's like, I'm not going to write you a fucking monologue joke. I mean, I could, but it's just like, there's so many things when it translates from like TV or like podcasts to TV, where it's just like, it loses that organic, fiber that makes it like enjoyable to begin with it is it and oh i'm sorry oh no i just saying you guys being yourselves is that organic fiber yeah i mean i think you know when it comes to the tv show I, i i really think that like what we do on stage is what we will do for for the first part of the tv show if if that's i don't know how long it's gonna be you know uh hmm. there's been different numbers thrown out there for sure <laughs> and sure. uh but but like whatever the opening monologue is because there will be and i i don't i don't know how to say duologue two people but whatever that is i want it to look like what we do on stage and what we do on stage doesn't look organic i don't think it 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 definitely feels way more performative than what we do on a podcast and it's it feels like a performance it fe- it feels written at least to me it does but maybe yeah, i think as like the audience it, it doesn't come off quite that performative as like because i think you're just like like obviously with the stage shows you guys put a lot of thought through them but you guys have such a natural rapport that you can kind of just like get there and like you know make something sound like spontaneous no, oh, I uh, want it to. I, I, I mean, there are spontaneous. If you ever see anybody who's ever anybody who's seen me live, if you see me laugh on stage, it means that like that wasn't written. If Brett says something <laughs> that makes me laugh on stage, it's it's not written. And we do that on purpose. We keep shit from each other. So like our process is uh, for for live stuff. It's probably going to basically be this for the tv show for that part of the tv show too obviously we're gonna have to write like more for other stuff but for for the other segments of the tv show but like our process is that like i make a skeleton and uh i send it to him so he knows what order we're going to talk about things in and what we're talking about and then when we perform it that is all like I tell my jokes and he tells his jokes that we sort of keep from each other so that we can yeah. laugh if a joke yes, is because it, it's fun to watch performers have fun. Uh, I'm looking at Kevin Smith's unrealized projects, Wikipedia, which is um, 10, 19, like 
30 some odd entries really? of just like things that didn't get made of him. I'm, go- uh, I'm going there right now. Well, actually, let's hear a little more of this. Yeah. But, yes, but, yes. but keep that page up because I, I, I want to. Totally. The perfect guy to ask because I'm not only a big Kevin Smith movie fan, okay, you can but it out I'm a stoner as well. And I didn't see all these movies as a stoner until I was like 38 years old. Made them not as a stoner, go figure. And at age 38, watched them as a stoner. Hands down. Number one on the list, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Fun movie. It is. He might be right. He might be right about that one. So, number one. Yeah, Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back is like, I mean, when you get away from some of his dumb thoughts on like relationships or like shit like that, (laughs) it's like he's pretty good at making a joke dense like farce and like getting that in there like yeah, probably is like the, I mean, maybe not the most important of his movies, but it's definitely probably the most successful at what it's trying to be. Yep. Okay. Let's hear more of them. We to kick back and, and blaze too. Although you could tell it wasn't made by a true stoner. We just made a sequel called Jane Silent Bob Reboot. And when you watch it, you could tell like whoever made this movie really loves weed. <laughs> 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 this time you're OP. <laughs> oh my god. You know what? If he didn't talk about previously not smoking weed, I would have never in a million years thought he didn't. I, I didn't see Jay and Silent Bob strikes back and was like, this doesn't pass the smell test for this, me. <laughs> this movie You'll does- know this next movie actually was in my scrub. <laughs> it's like he wanted to have a second crack at it. He just was like, yeah. "Damn, now I now I know what kind nug is." And he's just like, "Gee, <laughs> how?" Because like Jason Mewes is sober, right? Yeah. How annoying must it be to be fucking Jason Mewes right now? Like, just like, I mean, hopefully- just like being like, you got sober. He helped you got sober, and then he's just like a like a guy in his late forties with the mentality of weed that like an eighteen year old would have, and he yeah. has to be like, anyway, you're gonna call. We're gonna have like a like a like a like a torch scene where you're gonna like hit hit a pin real hard, and just like just like that must suck. Just like being like around that shit. If you're, I don't know, maybe he has a good relationship to it, but it it, it feels weird like if i had a friend who nearly died a bunch of times of heroin i wouldn't constantly be like want to be in my modern day cheech and chong <laughs> i just let him be and live his best life but yeah. i don't know maybe he wants to do it he could smoke weed too i mean i don't know 100 percent, but like you know a lot of people my I, understanding I, is that he doesn't but i could be wrong oh there's a video of him smoking weed though i think oh huh Dank City Stoner Stories with Jay Muse, and he's holding a joint. He, I don't know if he smoked it, but like that, I I see weed as a lot of harm reduction anyway. So sure, no, I agree with that. It's totally if, if that's the way he goes, that's tight. That's why I uh, smoke weed. I don't do much. Well, I'll I'll do any drug somebody gives me, but like I I I basically just keep it to weed because that feels safe to me. You know, like yeah, that. Cali sober, man. Yeah, yeah. That feels safe. Here, here's some more. 
The guy who made Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back wasn't a stoner at all. So I would say the best move, Kevin Smith movie to watch while you're blazed would be Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, but you can't watch that yet. That would be number one on the list, then Strike Back, then Dogma. Chasing Amy might be too depressing, you know. Dogma? Like, he, he'd be so proud of Chasing Amy at one point. He was like, this is the most heartfelt movie. Like, he, he like... I mean, Chasing Amy has a real has some real problems, but like, there's something really sincere in it. Where like, it was clear that he wrote this about Joey Lauren Adams and his relationship, and it, it just like hear him be like too depressing. Like, it's just yeah. like fuck you, dude. I liked that movie when I was like 14 and didn't know anything about girls. I thought <laughs> you could just turn lesbians into your girlfriend if you said a good enough monologue. <laughs> oh, as you're saying, there's a beautiful story, but at the end of the day. You know, kids don't wind up together, so you might be sitting there blazed and be like, man, you harshed my buzz. Clerks ain't bad to watch Stone. Nothing really happens in the movie, and that's kind of what you want for like 90 minutes. As you're Clerks is really bad to watch in 2020, right? Got it. Like, it is a hard movie. I tried to watch it, I don't know, five years ago or something like that. It's a very hard movie to watch. Yeah, it's, I haven't seen it in probably a decade. It's so, the acting is so bad. They're reading in so much of it. Like reading. <laughs> they're reading right uh, there. You can see them looking down at the counter and reading the movie. And like, I guess that's charming to some people, but I hate <laughs> then, it. And then he puts like, not all those guys, but like a lot of those people who are in his very first first movie, he's like, don't worry, you'll be in Every single last one of my Yeah, it yeah. Rolled. It kicks so much ass. It's like mafia shit. Just like giving largesses to your boys. Like you, I wonder what I don't those know. guys make. That relation. Like, I, I guess like if if you're if you're the two clerks guys, I guess you probably just do the the circuit, right? The the uh, autograph circuit, and 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 you you do the convention circuit, and that's how you make your living. And then Kevin has you in one of his movies every. Yes, year. but I think they've both individually at different times had separate falling outs with Kevin Smith. I think a lot of them were just like, we haven't seen enough money because this thing is obviously a prop property that like matters a lot i th I think like that's why clerks three has fallen apart has it fallen apart i thought he was making it i, I mean i don't see it uh, let me look at clerks itself but like i know for a while the guy who played randall like i think at two separate times were was like not it's there but, they're making it it's february it's it, it, i see an article from uh february 6 2020 that says it's gonna happen but oh, here's, tight. The, Hell here, yeah. here's the fucking deal dude clerks 2 sucks that movie sucks that was when it's i so turned that was when i turned against kevin smith oh my god it's yeah i mean especially like when it's just like oh like these 40 year old dudes being like yeah anyway she wanted to give me ass to mouth and it's just like <laughs> what the fuck like what the fuck are you doing also this is it's wild that the plot of Clerks 2 is my my fiance is a bitch and like she wants me to move away from my bad like job in Jersey and like so I'm going to take up with this hot like chick who works at like a fast food restaurant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's and like 
And the person who plays his fiance is Jennifer Schwalbach Smith, Kevin Smith's wife. Such a bummer. Such it's that's so, so insane. Imagine being like to your wife, being like, "Yeah, you want to play this like bitchy character that everyone hates and is cheering to get broken up with." <laughs> I mean, I you know, I, I he likes to give her parts. He's going to get his daughter parts. He's got a real thing going on over there. He's building a legacy, you know. He No, I didn't remember the character of the sexy stud who appears as a supporting role in Clerks 2. He appears near the end of the film during a donkey show Randall set up as a celebration for d- d- like I what? remember like that. there's an actual donkey show. Ugh. Yeah. That's why it's not good. That that's the thing is like when you think when you, if 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 you go back on any of his stuff, it it's not good. You know, no. It, and it's really now. Sad. Do you remember? It's really sad because he was so important to me for a period of yes. time. Me and my wife used to watch those evening with Kevin Smith DVDs all the fucking time. Uh, that, those were so, I mean, I think that was like when I was like, oh, that's the sort of, even though it's not stand up, that's like the sort of stuff I would like to do. And now it's just like, oh, wow, he really gets to like put out a DVD every three years of like stories I mean, now he just is. I mean, it's weird that he still does those stage shows when it's just like he has podcasts that he just like prattles on about for everything. But do you remember when he put out the director's podcast uh, commentary for Clerks 2 where he was encouraging people to go watch the movie again and then uh, like just like play the 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 sound like uh, soundtrack of his like audio commentary in the theaters no i didn't know about that yeah apparently all of the like theaters were like you can't encourage people to do that yeah yeah well i mean they're like don't have people come in and like listen also i remember like everyone always being like oh well you know the real jokes come in at the like audio commentaries and i haven't listened to one of those in years but they gotta be terrible it's just like them being like oh wow it's walt flanagan like and just like like getting (laughs) fucked up and like laughing about their jersey friends they fit into a movie or like when someone had his shit real bad and then uh, a take ran long steve dave's here Steve Steve (laughs) name we came up with it's great tell them a star of this modcast podcast tell him steve dave yeah yeah oh my god he is on there it the, does steve dave the, have a podcast steve dave okay steve dave this is a real this is for real wrestling podcast heads tell him steve dave is the conrad the mortgage guy of the viewers universe okay okay so he kind of interviews all the other guy, the the older guys and stuff, right? Yeah, and I think he also runs the comic book shop. Oh, that's Steve Dave. Okay, okay. Yeah, I like the name Steve Dave, man. Like, yeah. I I do no, think that's it's, very. It's funny. a good name. Yeah, it's yeah. two regular names thrown together, and it's a name that then you've never heard before. Yeah. So so here's what we're gonna do to close this thing out. Okay. Okay. We are going to come, we're going to talk, let's say four best Kevin Smith movies in order, like your favorite one. So you're going to start with number four is your least best, 
and number one is your best best does that make sense it's like a countdown right and uh i want to preface mine by saying like i don't like any of them but (laughs) (laughs) uh my number four we're gonna do number four my number four would be jay and silent bob's uh reboot Okay, so I mean, it's better than some of his movies, but it's like of your four favorites, it's the fourth worst. Well, I watched it when I was forty-one years old too. <laughs> <laughs> An enormous difference between when you I watch mean, the thing. Made it when he was like what fifty-one? Yeah, probably. <laughs> That's sad. That's sad. I hope it I'm is. a lot. You know what? I'm proud of of myself. I'm I'm a mature adult with what I do mm-hmm. and I act like an adult and 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 that's what I'm proud of more than anything. I'm not going to be stuck in a Kevin Smith where I have to act like I'm fucking 22 for the rest of my life. Yeah, it's a good place to be. I think you and I need to periodically check in with each other and just like if someone's doing something that feels too Kevin Smithy, like the other one needs to be real candid and be like, yo, you're going down the path of Kevin Smith. I will. I will uh, check in with you. What's your number yeah. four? My number four, I think it's got to be Clerks. Really? So there's yeah, better I mean, ones, it's, but it's like one of your tops. I mean, yeah. I mean, I didn't see a ton of his like after view askew stuff. I need to like dig in, but like I think I think it's probably the fourth best. I think this my list isn't gonna be very exciting. I will ever bet That's money fine. on that. It's fine. You know, uh a quick fact though. Uh and this is as of February fourth, twenty twenty, Clerks Two is his favorite askew universe movie. Wow. I, I hope I hope that uh changes with um clerks three yeah okay so my number three favorite kevin smith movie which means almost nothing is jay and silent bob strike back so i'm going with both of those like kind of together that like i feel like i could turn that movie on and i could really enjoy it you know there's some stuff i think is corny for sure yeah but I can turn it on and 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 maybe even get a laugh or two out of that one. Mm-hmm. I think my number three is going to be Chasing Amy. I think it probably doesn't hold up real well, <laughs> but uh, I, I I don't know. I think it's like kind of ambitious in what he tried to do with it. Um, I think most of those actors are charming. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna say Chasing Amy number three. Not good. I, I I will tell you when the good like bar has been reached. Well, can I say with Chasing Amy is like maybe I should watch that now because maybe it was a little too. Uh, I don't know how to dis- I don't know the word, but for the age I was, it probably wasn't the best. No, you know, no, I think. Oh, I mean, I think I was very lucky where I, when I got into Kevin Smith, I was also like a moody teenager. So like being like, oh, he has like this like fucked up rom-com like was appealing. But I can imagine if it came out, if you saw Clerks and you saw Mallrats and then it's just like, like what? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's I think, a different movie of his. I think I'll make, I, you know what? You've, you've convinced me. My number two, Chasing Amy is because i remember it and i think it's a it is an enjoyable i I think 
of all of his movies, it's easiest. It's probably going to be the easiest for me to watch now. I have an issue with that movie in that, like, I don't know what it is about it. Maybe it's because I write stuff for another person a lot of times. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. the, and and like, I sort of default to writing for Brett. You know what I mean? Like, I would rather just write for him and then just do my thing. You know, and yeah. uh, uh, um. The part in the movie where where Silent Bob gives the speech and changes the trajectory of the characters' lives or whatever, like writing that is like a lot self indulgent, I guess. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, you know, he he didn't want to be Silent Bob. He wanted to be Randall. Why didn't he? He made those decisions. Directing directing the movie took too much like energy to learn lines. That's what I he said. That's weird because Randall didn't even learn the lines. I'm telling you, <laughs> go back and watch this fucking movie. I am fucking. I am totally a hundred percent telling you that they're reading it off of a script sitting on the counter. Yeah, number two, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Gosh, uh, it's a it's a dumb comedy. It doesn't try to be anything more than what it is. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It was fun. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, my uh, number one is well, Mall Rats. I, I want to see if we have this. Oh, oh we Sorry. do. Mall Rats is my number one as well. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's Mall Rats. Mall Rats is it's the one rats. that's good. You know what I like, mean? <laughs> it 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 has just enough like polish of a like uh movie that was made by a studio to not be dog shit it has real actors in it but it still has the fun irreverent like clerk sense of humor um the relationship stuff is a little bit more viable the stuff he does with more of a budget's cool and i think it just has held up the best because it doesn't try to be i mean he if you listen to the DV commentary, he's so fucking disdainful of mall rats. I know. It's just like, it's not his fault that that thing failed. That, that movie is really fun. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's so fucking good. And it's so, it, 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 like him not liking it is, that's another thing. There's, there's a thing with corn like that where they hate life is peachy. And I'm like, how about you don't fucking tell people you hate it? You know what I mean? Like, don't be disdainful of it. That's like taking a victory away from yourself, which is something I've never done. Like in, in, or something I had to teach myself to do when I started performing live more, when I started going on tour and stuff like that. Like I, I had to teach myself how to be like the audience really enjoyed this. So yeah, it's good. It's like we were saying earlier, if someone says good show, you say thank you. You say, yeah. oh, cool. You don't say, like, eh, whatever. I did better in Memphis or whatever. You you don't, like, you let people in, I mean, not let people enjoy things, but if someone tells you they enjoy your shit, don't tell them that there's better shit and the thing that they watched was bad. Thank which you. is 90% of Kevin Smith's persona is like being like, and we all know this part of even like the movies he likes. It's like, we all know this part of it was dog shit. Like, right. It's a, he's maybe even take, he's maybe even like that might be neutralizing the, the, the kind of feeling of, of critics telling you your movie sucked by just being like, yeah, yeah I know it fucking sucks. You know, I but it's like it what way. used to be self. Okay. So, an evening with Kevin Smith came out. I want to see in two thousand and 
I mean, okay, it was filmed in 2001. So he was starting to, he was like doing speaking tours where he made fun of not being a very good director 19 years ago. So he's yeah. had 19 years to improve upon it and like grow and just hearing him be like, yeah, whatever, I'm a bad director. <laughs> yeah. 19 years in a row. Yeah. It's wild. I'm looking at his like movie. Oh, oh, a short mockumentary. He did a thing called Chasing Kevin, which uh, just, no thanks. It's so embarrassing. Well, I enjoyed doing this, Drew. Let's do more. Yeah, I would love to go through whether it's his podcast, whether it's his horror trilogy, whether it's uh, Zach and Miri or Clerks Two. Uh, I, I I say uh, I say let's get real into Kevin Smith this year. Well, I think yes, for sure. And I wanted I, the, the, there's something else I want to do with you really bad, and it's it's leaving my mind right now. But oh, Prestige TV. Oh like, yes, failed Prestige TV shows, TV just, shows that were built up to be like the next Mad Men or Sopranos, and then fizzled out after one season. Is your Playboy clubs, your swing towns. Uh, <laughs> uh, low there's so many sun. of them. God, all of the embassy, like NBC's kings. Yeah, you and I are gonna like dig into all those shitty one season. Like it's the silver age of television. It's, it didn't get gold because it didn't stay on TV. It was it was always so high concept too. Like if the idea behind Kings, Kings is nuts, yeah. insane. <laughs> I'm so excited to see it and watch it with you. Yeah, uh, I think I think uh, once we figure out how to do the timing of something like that, we're fucking gonna do it. I will sit and watch yeah. fucking TV shows. I just have to figure yeah. out like, is this something that comes out every two months? because it's going to take a long time to 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 watch it all in but uh we'll figure it out i already do one monthly podcast i mean it's not impossible yeah. hey we got the time <laughs> yeah well i mean at least for a while well thanks for yeah. doing this with me drew uh uh thank you dude uh and for everyone else uh check out uh street fight when it premieres yeah. on means tv <laughs> well yeah but also this podcast is self-care yeah, and, for uh, sure. Uh, just follow Spurs. me at Drew Spurs on Twitter. I'll probably be doing more streaming stuff uh, from there. Uh, it's very you funny. Know, a lot of my things I'm doing live, I'm trying to port over online. Uh, so if you follow me, uh, that's where you'll find it. Yeah, he's a very funny dude. I highly recommend you follow him. And uh, bye.